It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show. JT in Vegas on what seems to be a beautiful day. Man, that wind was blowing. Oh, that wind was blowing. Thank God that Raider game was played inside Allegiant Stadium. It was incredible, man. Outside, the canopies were blowing away. Windy, windy, but inside it was absolutely perfect. Also, this hour, I want to thank Charles Woodson and his entire team from Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Charles came in and had his golf tournament. I got a chance to play in it on Friday. A lot of low scores there. Charles ended up winning. He had some good players on his team, and we played at TPC Las Vegas, which was gorgeous. He had his kickoff party at Eight Cigar Lounge at Resorts World, and he had his after party at Resorts World, and it was fantastic. Charles put together a golf tournament that wasn't crowded. It wasn't packed on the golf course. The black hole, a lot of guys were out there with their tents having a lot of fun. And it all went to a great cause, several great causes, including the foundation that Charles works with, his foundation, and all of his partners there. So again, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, Charles comes in with his class, his elegance. He's got a lot of commitments. He's on Fox's football coverage on Sunday. His relationship with his family is second to none. My wife and I were talking to him about his kids and his wife and how entrenched he is in his home and what he does for charity and his family. And then to have two nights with him, where we got a lot of good time to hang out with him, have a cigar, talk about life in general, talk about the Raiders. Charles has become a good friend and someone that I'm proud to be a partner of on Raider Nation Radio. He gets it. He loves the Raiders. He loves his life, and he wants to give back. So thanks again to Charles Woodson, Chrissy, and his entire team that he worked with to put this event together. I can't wait to go back next year. It was that good. I cannot wait to be involved in this again next year because Woodson Bourbon Whiskey and what they're doing now, and order one. When you get into a restaurant, you get to a nightclub, you get to a bar, ask for a Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, and if they don't have it, tell me, and we'll get it in there. We'll do everything we have with our connections here on the show. The Raiders come through and win, so now they're at 2-4 and four on the year. Where do they go from here? Well, it's simple to me. they got to start stacking wins. This is the part of the schedule where the Raiders have to go on their run. So they played a great fourth quarter against Houston, put them away, one by 18. And now they're going to go up against a former foe in Dennis Allen. And they're struggling. They have a very good defense, but Andy Dalton, that quarterback, as they're trying to figure out with Taysom Hill, the injuries to Jameis Winston, who I like a lot. You want to see Andy Dalton, and you want to be able to stop Alvin Kamara and what he's been able to do if he gets outside the pocket and can make some plays. Raiders should win. I think they're better than New Orleans. I think they have better personnel. They have better coaching. And I think they should win this game. But that place is hostile. It's really tough to win in that dome. From the trips we've went on in the past, it's loud from the moment you walk in. And the Raiders are going to have to play with tremendous momentum and start early. I don't know why. You know, they started real good with Kansas City, didn't they? Started off with Kansas City. They went up 17-0. They started strong against Arizona. 
going up 20 nothing. In this game against Houston, they trailed going into the fourth quarter. That can't happen again. And I think as they try to get healthier and they put this scheme together, it's going to be very important for Patrick Graham to tighten up the defense. He doesn't have Pro Bowl cornerbacks. Rocky Asin potentially could be. A lot of people are high on him in Indy before he came here. Chandler Jones, I think, playing better over the last couple of games. Max Crosby, always playing well, but I noticed in that game yesterday, they were really concentrating on Max. They were double-teaming him and chipping him. He didn't stand a chance, and he made a couple of plays. But it was tough for Max in that game. Tip your cap to Houston. They game-planned against Max Crosby. Denzel Perryman, and the ability for Duran Harmon to play. And this isn't a slight. This is just an opinion and reporting you know, Jonathan Abram should not be in anymore over Deron Harmon, period. Harmon has got better experience. I think he's a better player, much better player in certain schemes than Jonathan Abram. Not that Abram's not going to play in some of these games. There's certain schemes and down and distance where you bring him in, maybe to play safety against the run. But I think Trayvon Merrig and Harmon should be the back end of that defense. The linebackers, they just got to get John Brown healthy, keep Denzel Perryman healthy, and the interior defensive line, I think, did a nice job. I really do. Even Clee Farrell, who made some plays and was pushing pretty hard in that game. So nice energy. But I think the cover of that zone, that soft zone over the middle of the field, teams are tearing them up. I mean, third and seven, third and nine, third and ten. Guys running over the middle of the field, catching the ball with no one near him for two to three yards. I think the problem is is that they're reading that zone and they're finding the windows in that zone and teams are taking advantage of it. I really believe that, and at certain times they have to switch to man. I think that Patrick Graham doesn't have the great players to do what he wants to do. He would love to drop in a much more exotic defense. He would love to put the defense that he has in store for this team completely in play. I just don't think he has the players to do it every play in certain positions. So they'll play a zone, they'll back off, They'll give guys six or seven yards on routes. They run these five-yard in routes to the middle of the field, and there's no one there. There's not a linebacker to bat a ball down or make a play, and they're able to extend drives. That cannot happen anymore. That has to be cleaned up. And it better be cleaned up quickly here because New Orleans and a young Trevor Lawrence, they're looking at the same film. They're looking at the same film, and they're going to try to exploit the middle of the field. I don't think the sidelines have been open this year. I really don't. The running game, the Raiders have done a decent job It's just the soft coverage over the middle of the field. And once you do it, to the Raiders, this is a copycat league, and they're going to continue to do it. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, saw him yesterday on the call, saw him in the parking lot. And Harry, how would you assess the game? Because I thought it was much closer than it should have been heading into the fourth quarter. Oh, absolutely. JT, thank you for always having me on out here on your show. Uh, I mean, if you look at the first three quarters, it's a thing where you have to be concerned that the team isn't getting their full potential. But if you only watch the fourth quarter and you see the final score and you see 38 to 20, you're thinking, hey, this team is in a good spot. What I'm attributing it to is the team was coming off of their bye week. They had a sluggish start offensively they didn't find the rhythm until the final drive of the first half and after that they looked very well why because they were able to rely on Josh Jacobs and they fed them the ball and they were able to advance with him on the field in the first three drives they 
where Josh Jacobs was limited to only 24 yards of production between passing game and running game. After that, it was a Josh Jacobs show, and the Raiders were able to win. Now we got to be able to see this team put four quarters of consistent football so that way you're not relying on a big fourth quarter where the defense, after struggling in the first three, they were able to get a three and out, the Raiders scored. Then they were able to get that pick six, and they put the game out of reach for the Houston Texans. You don't have to rely on that and just be if you play a full game. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Harry, what I like about Josh Jacobs, he's running inside the tackles, and when he gets outside – He's not looking to run out of bounds. He's putting his shoulder down. He's getting upfield and getting more yards, and he's getting to the corner quicker than I thought he could get to. I think that has to do with him being fresh, you know, not being worn out. I remember, you remember when he played in Canton, everybody's like, what the hell is he doing playing in Canton? Then they kind of shut him down. They wanted to see what they had with him. And I think he's proved to Dave Ziegler and McDaniels that he's a workhorse. He's healthy, and they're going to pound him. They're going to let him dominate in these games if he gets going early. Absolutely, and you also feel that he's more comfortable in knowing what he needs to do to stay healthy because one of the big concerns is if they keep running him 25-plus times a game or 20-plus touches per game, then he could get hurt. He hasn't played a complete season yet in his career in the three years he's been in the league. But we spoke with him last week, and he was saying that he got a nutritionist that has been helping him out a lot. He was able to do off-season work for two months in Miami, and that helped him out a lot. And he said that he's been feeling healthy after the first five games. Obviously, now you got he's got a six one under his belt, and he's looking better than ever. And you're reasoning about the moving to the sides and being able to find the edges. He had seven out of his ten runs yesterday go for 10 plus yards he yeah. averaged over seven rushes per game per in per rush in this previous game against the texans he's feeling himself and for the raiders that's excellent news and he's also giving a lot of credit to his offensive line which has been doing a great job that he hasn't been touched for the first couple of yards after the line of scrimmage and then that's where he gets going Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders. So now that this running game is gone because the offensive line is clearly doing their job, can this offensive line do their job in the passing game? Can Carr have more time than we thought of? After the first two weeks, three weeks, this looked really shady. I, I don't know if Carr could pass the rest of the year comfortably now. Are you noticing that where he's going to have time in the pocket to go through his progressions if Devontae's double-teamed? Yeah, and the Texans, there's no slouches. They have a good yeah. pass rush combo in their squad and their interior defensive linemen. They got sacks as well, and they were able to get to Carr once in this game with the ball. And then the other time, unfortunately, Carr went down and he had to take a playoff and he went back onto the field. They need to get better at protecting him. That only comes with consistency, with the, the unit gelling. And we have saw finally a repeat on that uh, offensive line and even though when Bayer Mumford had to come in when Jermaine Illuminor was questionable to return with an ankle injury, we saw a little bit more consistency from them. And I'm liking what I'm seeing from this unit. And as the games keep progressing and this unit feels more comfortable with each other, the confidence is going to grow and they, they will be able to do uh, great things. And I love the combination that we had yesterday with one side. You had Colton Miller 
the most experienced and the best offensive lineman you, that the Raiders have paired up with Dylan Parham on one side. And then for most of the game, you had Alex Mars, who's a vet in the league, yeah. uh, next to Thayer Mumford, who's a rookie. And then in the middle, you had Andre James, who's pretty much in the middle. It's a second season as a starter in the league. So the Raiders unit, little by little, they're becoming what the Raiders want them to do. And the team was criticized. Josh McDaniels and his squad and his uh, coaching staff were criticized about the way they were doing things. Well, the Raiders each game, they're looking better and better with the, that old line. Harry Ruiz, kind enough to join us. You hear him on my show here. You hear him all over town here. And you check him out as the Latino voice of the silver and black. All right, so on the defensive side with Patrick Graham's defense, I'm happy they made plays late because the defense wasn't great early. And Davis Mills was able to, you know, get some conversions going there. But when Harmon picked off that play over the middle of the field, that changed everything. That changed the game, shut it down. I think Harmon should play the majority of the snaps going forward with Merrick. How do you see the back end of that secondary? Yeah, and the, the secondary we saw Merrick trying to do, trying to make plays where unfortunately it was a swing and a miss, and then you allowed the Texans to get twenty plus yard plays, and that can't be happening. Merrick is having a definitely a sophomore slump at the moment, but we got to remember he was also coming off of an injury earlier in the season, and he's still not. I don't feel at a hundred percent confidence wise on the field. I'm still not giving up on him. He has definitely had a rough start of the season, but he's a player that you see that the coaching staff and the front office, they are trusting him and they're giving him that playing time. And we've seen a lot of sets with three safeties with Abram, Harmon, and Merrick, all of them on the field. And definitely Deron Harmon, we were hoping that he, the team would get experience from him uh, in that defensive backroom. Well, they're not only getting that experience that he's sharing his knowledge with his teammates. He's producing. JT, when was the last time we saw a player have a forced fumble that ended up in a recovery for a touchdown? Mm -hmm. Harmon forced that fumble against the Broncos that was recovered for a touchdown by Amik Robertson. And now we have him with his second interception this season. He returns it for six. That's the kind of playmaker that the Raiders have been missing. I'm not afraid to say it since Charles Woodson on defense and finally they have him back and they have him on this team and hopefully it, it becomes contagious and his teammates start doing the same kind of things and soak up that knowledge that he's bringing into the Raiders but to Ron Harmon he's going to be a key piece for this Raiders defense for the games to come we just got to hope he stays healthy most of his career that's been the case for him wrapping up with Harry Harry New Orleans has lost five of their last six Five of their last six, they played themselves out of the playoffs. I really do believe that. I mean, look, I'm not talking Raiders playoffs season with only two wins, but they've been a train wreck as of late. They lost to Cincinnati. They lost at Arizona and put up a fight in that game. They lost to Minnesota, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Brady got them 20-10. to 10. So they played in some close games, and they barely, they could have lost all, almost all their games. They, they won at Atlanta 27-26 in a game where Atlanta thought they won that game late. So this is a Jekyll and Hyde team that's having uh, production issues at quarterback. I don't think Alvin Kamara is the same player he was the last couple of years, but that defense over the years has been fantastic. They find a way to get to the football, and their defensive line is always stout. Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of Cam Jordan, what he does for the game, what he does outside of the game. He's a great player, and I agree 100%. They got great pieces on that defense, but you look at the scores the last couple of games – 
It's been three games in a row where they're, they've allowed 30-plus points. Even the Vikings game, that was 28. That's pretty higher than what they are used to conceding. Mm-hmm. So that might be the opening that the Raiders need offensively to take control of this game. Their offense hasn't been there. They haven't been doing a great job, and the pieces are there for the Raiders to be able to go to New Orleans and shock the NFL world with a road win. They still haven't able to do so this season. They're 0-3 out of Las Vegas, but this is a great opportunity for the Raiders to go out there and keep chipping their way, trying to get back to that 500 record. There's no easy games in the NFL, JT. You've been in the league for plenty of time. You know there's no easy wins, and especially in a place like New Orleans, the Superdome, the fans go crazy out there for the Saints, but I know Raider Nation is going to be representing big time out there in the Big Easy, and hopefully they're able to root their team on to have a little bit more confidence out there. Yeah, Cam Jordan's got four and a half sacks, and Demario Davis has five. So they got two guys on the defensive line that have been very productive. So, Harry, it was very windy there in J-Lot. I had some unbelievable carne asada. I had my pregame modelo. Uh, Good to see the nation out there. I saw entertainment, you know, DJs, bands out there, everybody getting used to it now. A little bit of wind there, though. A couple of those canopies, you got to make sure they're weighted down and tied to the car. The wind was kicking up in the J-Lot. And you know what? That's where you could recognize which tailgaters were rookies and which are vets. <laughs> That's a good point. Jack, he had huge weights on his stuff, making sure that they weren't going to go. Same thing with the folks at the Black Hole, the wrecking crew. They all had their stuff down. And I, I was actually there when security was going over and saying, hey, guys, if the wind picks up, you might have to take your canopies down if they're not weighed down. So the tailgaters, they're getting used to it a little bit more. And i got to say something, though. Yes. I noticed that a lot of people were just arriving super late to park and then go into the stadium. No, become part of the culture. That's part of football. That's one of the biggest parts of being a member of the Raider Nation, being able to enjoy and meet people. It's like Raider Nation, if you don't know them yet, well, they're friends that you haven't met yet. Once you start in in that environment, you become family with all the folks out there. So shout out to everybody. And I got to send a shout out to Vegas Ralph. He hooked me up with some amazing carne asada. I rarely eat out at the tailgates. I save it for a little bit later in the stadium. My God. They're getting that tailgating level to, the, yeah. to another another stratosphere right now. Yeah, my buddy Joe sits in 132 with me, makes some carne asada, and he brings me in a little bag of it <laughs> during the game. So Ooh. I got that dialed in, too, no doubt. Harry, good call on the game. We'll talk to you soon. A Raider victory. Always good having you on all the time, but especially after a victory, Harry. Oh, Victory Monday feels way better talking about positive things than after a defeat. But let's keep it rolling, JT. Hopefully we have plenty of these in line in the next couple of weeks. No doubt about it. Thank you, Harry. Harry Ruiz, everybody. Yeah, he makes a really good point, and that's really the birth of this flagship radio station was to bring, bring a station to Vegas with some familiar voices, some people that know what's going on, and then being able to put the alumni on, the players on. We talk about the culture of the Raiders, and there are fans here that go to Las Vegas Raider games that have never been to Oakland, and it's our job to tell the story of Oakland, the legacy of Oakland, and it's never going to be the Oakland parking lot. It's different. It's Vegas. People want to get inside. It's hot out, or they want to go inside in the club, or they want to go and do something different. It's not the same, but it could be great, and Harry made a good point. If you're going to go there and go inside to tailgate or spend most of your time inside Allegiant Stadium, Make sure you stop by some of these famous tailgates. See, the Raiders have famous tailgaters, legends, from the Grill Iron Gang to the Black Hole to all the other ones that are there, and they'll make friends with you. So what you can do is you can go through any parking lot that's convenient to you. So if you're walking over the Hacienda Bridge, 
and you're coming over that way, you might turn left or right and see a tailgate. Go over there. Have a couple beverages. Make some friends. And that'll be your new tradition as you walk into the game. You say, hey, man, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes before we go in. Or go to the J-Lot, the black hole's there. And hang out and see the culture of the Raiders. Then go inside and come meet us at the torch. And go to your seats and go to your concourse and whatever you're going to do. So, you know, there's a lot of looky-loos around here now because the stadium is so gorgeous that people get inside and they want to go and they want to check out the whole place. And especially if you're entertaining people. I entertained uh, two individuals yesterday, my fraternity brother, a uh, lot younger than me, that came in from my college, same fraternity, and uh, he had my tickets, and he was sitting in my seat, and he's a Raider fan, and he was wearing Raider gear. I introduced him to everyone in my section, and at the end of the game, he's taking pictures with people in the section. He's staying in the club after the game for an hour. One of the things that bothered me in Oakland, and I loved Oakland, was they kicked you out of the club. You're hanging out in the East to West Side Club. We're not talking Taj Mahal here, everybody. We're talking about probably the oldest rundown club in all the clubs. And then one drink and get out of here. I'm like, what are you talking about one drink? Doesn't anybody want to make some money? You bartenders, don't you want to make a tip or two? And they're shutting it down in Oakland. This is different. This is Vegas. So I'm done with the post-game show in Modelo and the Wind Club still going on. Now, not everybody can afford the Wind Club. I get it. They have standing room only tickets that are affordable. Other people are dropping some serious coin in there. But man, Hunter and the whole crew there, they're not asking you to leave afterwards. They want you to enjoy yourself. So get to the Raider game early. One o'clock game, I usually get there about 9.15, 9.30 before I head up to the torch. In the 10 o'clock hour, and it's great to be up there. Q was doing the pregame show with Vinny. They have a nice crowd that comes there, and then we take over with Eric Allen and take you right up to game time. And we had the Oklahoma connection at the torch this week. Reggie Kinlaw and Kenny King, two former Sooners who were great, and they brought us some good luck. So really good time, a lot of fun here. And I'm open for business the rest of the show. There goes our guest. Now an opportunity for you to get through. 702-365-9200. What did you think was the key to the victory other than Josh Jacobs? Uh, we'll go through some of the sound around the league. Josh had a great game. But did you see anything in the game on television or did you hear it on the radio or see it live that you thought was an X factor to the game that maybe we didn't pick up on? Let us know about that, 702-365-9200. If I had four co-hosts, I wouldn't give you the phone number. If I had one of those shows where like six guys talk at the same time, we wouldn't give you the phone number. But it's just good old JT here doing it the way I want to do it, getting people on the radio and talking about the game. Thanks to Grimaldi's, October is still National Pizza Month. What better way to celebrate than with a world-famous New York-style co-fired brick oven pizza? Uh, five locations here in the Valley. I go to Boca Park. I love it there. Fantastic. I run errands. I go to Boca Park. I put in my order. Brooklyn Bridge, a couple of salads, run some errands around there, come back. It's ready to go, and I love it. Thanks to Grimaldi's for being a proud partner of our show. Immediately following the show, I'm heading to Resorts World for Monday Night Football. If you're looking to hang out, that'll be a lot of fun. When we come back, your phone calls and more of the sound around the league. There was chaos around the league. All the losses. All the teams that played poorly. Tom Brady loses. Aaron Rodgers loses. Jimmy Garoppolo loses. The Donkeys lose. Man, there's a lot of things that happen. Oh, and the Chargers lost. And the Chargers, again, had no home field advantage as they're paying their rental to the Rams and Stan Kroenke. Not the case in Vegas with Mark Davis in Allegiant Stadium. 
More to come. JT here on Raider Nation Radio. Suarez delivers, swing and a drive, left field, it's deep, it's going, and it is gone! Yes! It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top! How about that, Bryce Harper from Las Vegas. Turn it up as he leads the way for Philadelphia to the World Series. JT, back with you, thanks for coming back, thanks to the 872 laborers led by Tommy White. Had a chance to stop by Tommy Sweet and talk to him about the Raiders and uh, get a good, good vibe going in as the Raiders came back and won that game. So the World Series is set, the Astros and the Phillies. And the Phillies came in through the wild card. And Bruce Bochy just got hired to be the manager of the Texas Rangers. He won a World Series via the wild card. We've seen a few of those teams where no one thinks they have a chance. They get in, and then they start playing better. And that's what happened with Philadelphia going up against San Diego. Two wild card teams playing for a berth in the World Series because the Dodgers didn't win. And when the Dodgers didn't win, it opened the door for Philadelphia to win. And Houston's got to be thrilled. And Philly's good. They got a chance to win. Everybody's got a puncher's chance to win. But Houston thought they'd have to go through the Dodgers, and the Dodgers would have been the favorite, and Houston's damn good. So here's Bryce Harper after the game, that moment, living up to the hype. I thought he would have been a perfect Yankee. I wanted to get him years ago. Philadelphia can run you out of town when you're not winning. And now Harper's got the city in the palm of his hands. Typical kids dream of that moment. Was it as good as you imagined it would be? Yeah, I mean, I think we all think in our backyards it's the World Series, right? Every moment, you know, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, 3-2 count, uh, best pitcher on the mound in the World Series. You dream about it, but also you dream about that next step. You dream about that next one. I'm looking forward to that next one. I, I think we're all looking forward to that next one, and this is great. I mean, to be able to be the last National League team standing right now, the Philadelphia Phillies, we're here. You know, we're ready to go in that next round, and we got four more. Um, we're going to enjoy this as a team, as a group, but we got four more. Yeah, you could tell he's really focused. Look, the Aces just won the WNBA title. Bryce Harper wins the World Series. They're going to do something for him in this town. I don't know if they'd have a parade. They should. I mean, he's from this town. He loves Vegas. Sits, you know, courtside at UNLV basketball. Goes to Raider games. Go been at Golden Knights games. A lot of it. I'm pulling for him. I despise the Astros, but the Astros took out my Yankees, and the Astros are unbelievable. They're just absolutely loaded. Here's the final call: as the Yankees made error after error, blown opportunity. Houston had to come back to beat the Yankees in a sweep. They want you to judge. Ground ball, weekly hit, Presley has it, jumps part of the way the first, underhand Sayuli inside, starts spreading the news. The Houston Astros break out the brooms in the Bronx, and they're headed back to the World Series for the fourth time in six years. Your 2022 American League champions, Houston Astros. That's the Astros radio network there. So they deserve to win. They were much better than the Yankees, and the Yankees were just god-awful with striking out. They became the first team to get swept in a championship series with 50 or more strikeouts. Let that sit in. 50 or more strikeouts by a professional baseball team. They just don't put the ball in play. And Aaron Judge, who outplayed his contract this year because he had an MVP season and hit 62 home runs, he didn't show up in the postseason, and he hasn't shown up as a Yankee in the postseason. This is a franchise, the Yankees, that had Babe Ruth, 
Lou Gehrig, Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Thurman Munson, Derek Jeter. I mean, they've had guys that have showed up. Scott Barocious won an MVP for them. Bucky Dent hit a massive home run for them and, and played well. And Judge can't do anything. So Aaron Boone, who I think should be fired immediately because they can't win with him. He doesn't motivate him anymore. Uh, he was asked about Aaron Judge coming off that loss. Was that his last hit or out, excuse me, as a member of the Yankees? The season began with Aaron Judge talk about his contract. Could you just say how you feel about what his season was like and the possibility that you watched his last game in pinstripes tonight? Incredible. Just an incredible season and, you know, someone that I've grown close with and just admire and respect, you know. Hopefully we'll see him in pinstripes for a long time. I don't even want to think about the alternative right now. But he means a lot to a lot of us in that room. All right, so let's talk about Aaron Judge for a second because it's the biggest topic in sports. All due respect to Raiders Radio, I host a talk show first, Raiders Radio second. This is the biggest topic in sports today from New York, the number one media market, on radio stations that are a lot bigger than this one. Right, WFAN, ESPN New York. They're all they're all sitting this morning saying what to do with Judge. Now, of course you pay him and you try to bring him back, but he might want to be a free agent and test the market. The question becomes, can a guy hit sixty two home runs and break the all time American League record? I think it's the real record because Bonds cheated along with Sosa and McGuire, no debate. So I think he's the home run king for the single season. But if he doesn't even be able to come back next year and and take a standing ovation on opening day, what does that do for his legacy if he ends up a San Francisco Giant? Or if he goes to the Texas Rangers or the White Sox or some other market pays from the Cubs? So he's got to have some balls to leave the Yankees. I'm not saying leaving the Yankees, you can't do that. He can do whatever he wants to do. But then forget about the monument, Monument Park. And that's a big deal to Yankees. You get a monument in Monument Park, they have a monument for the Pope. right? They have a monument for everything back there. It's unbelievable if you ever walk back there. It's incredible. He wouldn't get a monument. There might be a little plaque that says the 62 home runs, but he's done. So I don't know what they should do. I, I, would, I, don't, I don't think he's going to get $400 million. And if he does, good luck. And I don't think he'll ever hit that many home runs. I don't think he'll ever play in that many games. And I think he's not at the top of his – he's at the top of his career. He'll never put up a season like that again, never. So do you want to pay now for all that going forward because you're not paying for the past? But the Yankees tend to pay for the past. They did it with Derek Jeter at the end of his career. They did it with Mantle at the end of his career. They'll pay their legends, unlike the 49ers and Belichick. I'll tie it into football. Bill Walsh made it famous with the Niners. I'd rather get rid of a player a year too early than a year too late. And Belichick does the same thing. So I think the Yankees will end up signing Judge, but I wouldn't break the bank for him. I wouldn't go that crazy because they, they're not built to win. They can't win. If Judge is going to strike out all the time in every playoffs, nothing's going to change. 702-365-9200. A little bit from Josh McDaniels from earlier today. He had his press conference right before we hit the air. Um, well, we got winter hats on. Is it that cold? It's not. Holy cow. This feels like a fall day from where I'm from. Um, um, so, uh, like we talked about yesterday after the game, um, there was some, you know, plenty of good things in the game. Um, I thought our effort was really consistent throughout the course of the game. I think our execution at the beginning, 
um, particularly offensively, uh, you know, could could have could have improved, and it did. Um, and I thought that you know, again, some of the things that um, that they do make it hard. Uh, they they're a good football team. They do a lot of different things that challenge you um, in all three phases. So. Um, give our guys credit for fighting and hanging in there and, and continuing to play. And, you know, we needed our best football at the end. Um, and I think our team is starting to understand and embrace that. Uh, it's hard to win in this league um, week after week after week against any opponent. It's hard to win in this league unless you play your best at the end. And I thought um, our guys really responded in the second half. There was no panic. Um, I thought we just continued to try to execute and do our jobs. Um, had a lot of guys step up in little different roles. I uh, thought Amir Abdullah showed up, you know, big time in the kicking game. You know, um, had a couple things did in blitz pickup, really good. Um, you know, some young guys playing in the kicking game also. So, um, you know, just a a total team day, um, something to build on. Certainly not perfect. Got a lot of things that we can make better today. I think our team will like to see those things today because I think we're really trying to um, take the process one day at a time, and the guys have really gravitated towards tell us what we need to do better, and we'll work hard to try to get it done. So uh, looking forward to trying to uh, do that this week. Josh, uh, Thayer had to jump in there uh, yep. kind of at a moment's notice. He'll yep. play a, a, a lot of football. Um, when you were doing all the tinkering with the offensive line and rotating and all that, were those the kind of moments that you had in mind in preparation for something like that? Um, I, more than anything else, we're just trying to find uh, the right, you know, the right group to go in there and play beside one another. Um, and I want to make sure I make this clear, like, it, nobody won or lost anything. Like, we, we love all the guys we have. We just, you know – that takes time. You know, it's a new system. It's new terminology. It's new schemes. It's new blocking patterns. It's, it's a new philosophy uh, for, for everybody. Um, and so we were giving everybody a lot of opportunities in the preseason, um, evaluating everybody. We thought we'd give everybody a fair chance to go out there and perform. Um, and I thought they're, they're earned the right to play some, you know, and, um, you know, I think with young players, you know, nobody really makes a big deal out of it when it's Neil Farrell rotating in there on the defensive line, um, you know, or a young player playing in the secondary part-time or a young receiver or a back. But when it's an offensive lineman, everybody kind of says, like, why aren't they all just the same five every time? And sometimes it's best for everybody that it's not just the same five, you know, and I think you got to, you know, he's, he's watching the game as he's on the sideline and he's seeing things that he's about to go in and potentially do. And so I think for him, it's been a very uh, good experience. And again, yesterday when Jermaine went out, now he goes in and it's not like he's, you know, he's got cold feet, you know, so he was in there a little bit at the jumbo before, you know, so, um, I think, I think he's earned that, that opportunity. And again, he did some really good things yesterday. Josh, obviously there were concerns on offensive line at first couple games, but if you look at how they're playing as a unit and the way Josh is exploding, certainly you have to be pretty pleased right now we're there. Is that Yeah, I, I mean, look, our their job is to protect the quarterback and allow the backs to have an opportunity to make yards in a running game. And so um, gave up a sack yesterday on a play that probably should, you know, we didn't need to do that, but – um, you know, I think for the most part, you know, they're protecting the quarterback uh, pretty well. Um, again, always room for improvement in that. But I think for the most part, they're doing the right things there. And then they're giving the backs an opportunity to hit the line of scrimmage without being, you know, there's two guys in the backfield. And so, 
you know, we talk a lot about, you know, not having negative runs, not having quarterback hits or pressures or sacks. And when you come out of the game and there's only a couple plays where that was the case, then those guys are generally doing their job, you know. And I think the other thing that offensive linemen love, and you can start to see it as the game goes on, is, you know, the more you hand the ball to the back, the more they get to go forward. And offensive linemen, if you ask, you know, every one of them to a man, would you rather run block or pass block? I mean, most of them are going to say, I'd rather go this way, you know. And so I get to wear on that guy, and I get to lean on this guy, and I get to finish my block instead of trying to go backward and hold off some of these really good pass rushers. So obviously we got to do both in every game. But, you know, the more they get going, the more Josh gets going, the running game gets going, I think the more in sync we become. And um, they've really done a good job of – you know, we talk about trying to be a physical team. You know, it's impossible if those guys don't set the tone. So I'm um, happy with what we did yesterday and looking forward to building on it. <clears throat> it looks like uh, Miller and Parham are a really good one-two punch on that left side. Are you liking what you see in there? Yeah. Um, it, when, when they stand beside each other, it's, it's an interesting little dynamic there, um, you know, because Colton's so tall and Dylan's a little shorter. But, um, you know, it's really an interesting – you know, uh, twosome over there, you know, similar on the right side too. And yesterday we ended up with Thayer on the outside. And, uh, you know, so the young guys are kind of around a few guys that kind of um, have a little bit more experience than they do, which is helpful. And then Andre's right smack dab in the middle of all of them. So, um, no, I, you know, they're really doing a, a decent job of acclimating to one another, working together with one another. I think that the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the communication. You know, there's subtle things that they need to communicate constantly with one another, and they're starting to really get the hang of that and uh, work well with one another. And, you know, and that manifests itself when there's not a lot of unblocked players in the front. And I don't think we had that yesterday. Offensively in the red zone, one of three defensively in the red zone. Is that kind of what you – Yep. We talked about, we've talked about it for a while. Um, and that doesn't mean that, like, next week's automatically going to be the same result. But um, – you know, look, we've we've said this for a number of weeks. Is you know, when when you when you don't play your best or you lose a game, you know, you have an opportunity to learn from that. And uh, so we've tried to find some solutions. Tried to we have to identify the problem first, you know, and then try to find some solutions to it. So we've worked really hard at that. The players deserve the credit. Uh, we we practiced, you know, in the red zone three days last week. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and they really acclimated to, you know, trying to improve in that area of our game. And, uh, you know, again, we saw a little fruit for our labor. All right, so that's a portion of Josh McDaniels earlier today. I'll sit down with the coach on Thursday. I do that every Thursday with him, and we'll probably spend a little bit of time on Houston in the fourth quarter and Josh and Deron Harmon. And there was a question. I don't know who asked it yesterday, but I couldn't believe it. Someone at the press conference was asking him about the stars, and he just walked right through the question. He doesn't talk about individual players. I don't know how long it's going to take. Most of the guys in that press conference know that by now, especially Vinny. Vinny's been a pro, been doing this a long time. You heard Q. But he's not going to want to talk about Max Crosby. He's not going to want to talk about individuals. He gives the entire unit credit. Do we all get that? That's what he does. So from time to time, people from other teams might ask him, on a Zoom call or conference call, hey, tell me about what this guy did or Chandler Jones. No, it's about everybody. That's what he wants to do. He's trying to build a culture here to get it right. And they spent a lot of time on the red zone, and I think they got to throw it in the end zone more. I really do. But Josh Jacobs is getting him in the end zone with three rushing touchdowns. When we come back, we'll go around the NFL. I thought there were a couple of critical games, a few that could help out the Raiders going forward. It's not just the upcoming Raider opponents, which is New Orleans and Jacksonville. It's Indy that benched their quarterback, their future Hall of Fame quarterback today. 
Geno Smith in Seattle's playing well. If they beat the Chargers in L.A., shouldn't the Raiders beat the Chargers in Vegas? There's a lot of math issues I'm looking at now with the schedule. I'll tell them. I'll tell you a few of them next. Yeah, I was always the type, man. I don't. I don't really like to talk too much. I kind of just lead by example. Um, but I've I've learned that you know when you the guy that people look up to and you the guy that people are looking for an answer from, you got to be able to step into that role. And uh, man, I I mean just just being able to have the guys trust. Um, so when I say something, they actually listen. You know what I'm saying? And, and things like that. It's been fun, man. I mean, I only say what I feel. You know, in the moments. Uh, you know, if I feel like we're not doing enough, I don't really harp on the guys or nothing, but I, you know, give them encouragement to, to pick it up and, and to do things the, the way we know how to do it. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting year in that standpoint. That's an incredible soundbite brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Remy Martin, the VSOP, the Quantro, the fantastic botanist gin, proud partner of our show, Team Up for Excellence. And I think we could all say Josh Jacobs has been absolutely excellent with his play. So a couple of great things I wanted to get to here before we wrap it up. The Cardinals beat the Saints 42-34. to The Raiders lost to the Cardinals. So as we look at that and we try to figure out what's going to happen here coming up, what do we expect next, what's it going to look like in that game, the Saints put up 17 in the fourth quarter, 17, and still lost that game. So the Cardinals were trailing late in the first half, and then That team stepped up, and they took advantage of it. The Cardinals scored 25 points in the second quarter. They were up 28-14 to in that game, but the Saints made it a good game. Now, a couple other games I want to get to. Carolina. Carolina beat Tom Brady. And this score right here put it away at 21-3. to I think all of Tampa Bay is still in shock. Walker in the gun, Foreman off his left hip, two receivers to the left, two stacked to the right. One of them is the tight end, Trimble. Walker the snap, fires downfield, Tommy Trembles open, makes the catch, touchdown, Panthers! Panthers radio on the call. Let's go to Tom Brady post game on losing that game because this is arguably his worst regular season loss of his life. He didn't lose games like this with the Patriots at all. And the Buccaneers were recently world champs. The Panthers are unloading everyone on that team, and Brady couldn't get a touchdown. They got shut out through three quarters and a late field goal. Here's Tom Brady. No one feels good about where we're at. No one feels good about how we played or what we're doing. So we all got to, we're all in it together, man. We got to go pull ourselves out of it. Joe Burrow was incredible. Did you see that performance by Joe Burrow? Uh, this guy could have threw for 500 yards in this game. I'm serious. I mean, once he started hooking up with Jamar Chase and they got in a rhythm again, it looked like last year as Cincinnati wins. Now Burrow throws toward the left side. Line, back shoulder throw. Chase makes the catch. Cuts into the middle of the field. Bye-bye. And the chase of Chase is unsuccessful. A 41-yard touchdown. The Bengals' fourth TD in four first-half drives. And Bengals radio, Burrow was 34 of 42 for 481. 481 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions, everybody. I mean, that's an incredible, insane game. There's not many guys who have ever done that in league history, and they are back from going to the Super Bowl to starting off slow. They are back in a big way. The Cowboys beat the Lions 24-6. The Lions are finished. Dak Prescott came back and had a pretty good game. It wasn't a great game for Dak Prescott, but he found a rhythm. Play action, fake. Prescott's going to throw it in the end zone to Peyton Henderson. 
on National Tight End Day for his first professional touchdown. Yeah, that was pretty impressive to see how they played, and they're going to get good now. The Cowboys are 5-2, and 3-1 and one at home. The Titans beat the Colts 19-0. So the Colts offense sputtered so badly that they bench Matt Ryan for the year. Okay, so that's what they say they're doing. Sam Ellinger's going to be the quarterback going forward. Raider Nation, unite. Because that's the next Raider home game. And Matt Ryan's been in enough big games where he could beat the Raiders. And the young quarterback could too, but I think that's a benefit for the Raiders and the Titans have won four in a row. The Commanders beat the Packers. How did this happen? Incredible to see what's happening here in this game. Let's go to the post game of this game with Aaron Rodgers. The Wolves are at the door for him. The press was leaning on him on how they could lose some, a game like that. We just got to play better, all of us. You know, I think if we all look at the film, there's probably a number of plays in every phase that we could have done better. But we just, I said it before, the margin of error is so tight that we don't execute at all on offense. Uh, it's not winning football. I want to play this run from Brees Hall, the touchdown for the Jets, because he tore his ACL and won't play again this year. And it's bad news for the Jets because this kid's playing a hell of a start to the year, and now he's gone for the year. Takes the snap, toss sweep to the left. Ball with blockers in front, has a crease to the 45, to the 50, left sideline 40, down the sideline 30. He's gone! 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Brees Hall, house call! The Jets take the lead. Jets radio and he's gone for the year. Giants beat the Jags on the last play of the game and the Raiders play the Jaguars in two weeks. Broncos losing, Nathaniel Hackett and the heat on him. And the Chargers lost. What a big break for the Raiders. 37-23 in L.A. Niners lose, Niners lose, and the Chiefs blow them out in the second half. Q's on deck. Thanks to all of our guests. Great to talk to the Raider fans today coming off a victory against Houston. I'll be at Doghouse Saloon tonight for Monday Night Football at Resorts World. Come on by to Doghouse, watch some football.